Hello and welcome back to the DPT School Study Guide. In this installment, we will be going over part two for exam two of clinical medicine. And in this episode, we will be tackling the next series of notes for pulmonary diseases. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into it. We're going to start off by going over the structure of the respiratory system. We're going to start off with the conducting zone. In the conducting zone, we will find the nose, the nasal pharynx, the larynx, the trachea, the bronchi, the bronchioles, and terminal bronchioles. Uh, in this conducting zone, we will find pseudostratified columnar epithelium via most of the zone rich with goblet cells. And deeper into the zone, these cells will become simple squamous epithelium and then to simple columnar epithelium. In this conducting zone, the trachea is the main conducting airway, and we have two bronchi, one per lung, and it continues to divide into 23 divisions. Uh, it is lined with mucus secreting and ciliated cells that function to remove inhaled particles, smooth muscles under the innervation of sympathetic and parasympathetic. Next, we have the respiratory zone. In the respiratory zone, this is where gas will actually be exchanged. Uh, we have respiratory bronchioles, the alveolar ducts, and the alveolar sacs. And the respiratory bronchioles, there are transitional structures um, because they contain cilia and smooth muscle and alveoli occasionally butt off of their walls. Um, they have ciliated cuboidal and claricels, and claricels are significant because they create an enzyme that breaks down mucus. Also in this respiratory zone, the alveolar ducts are completely lined with alveoli, and there are no cilia and little smooth muscle, and they contain squamous cells. The alveolar ducts terminate in alveolar sacs, which also are lined with alveoli. So taking a deep dive into alveoli, there are approximately 300 million alveoli per lung. The diameter of alveoli are approximately 200 micrometers. They have a large surface area for diffusion, rimmed with elastic fibers, and are lined with squamous epithelial cells. There are type 1 and type 2 pneumocytes, Type 2 synthesize surfactant to reduce surface tension and have regenerative capacity for the type 1 and type 2 pneumocytes. Um, in this rep respiratory zone, we have alveolar macrophages, uh, which are phagocytic cells which engulf debris. So when we're approaching a patient with pulmonary disease, we want to inspect them and assess general health and appearance. Um, we can see perhaps clubbing or peripheral cyanosis, uh, paleness. We'll, you know, we could do some palpation on the neck to see if there's a mass, uh, check over the midline of the trachea, supraclavicular nodules, or any sort of chest expansion. So we could also listen via percussion to see if things are normal. Um, and we can hear if there's any sort of resonant, meaning any increase in echo or hyperextended chest or pneumothorax, uh, here, if there's anything dull, which could be a consolidated lung or a stony dull, which is uh, any sort of pleural effusion. So when the physical therapist is 
um, listening in. Uh, we'll have the patient take slow, deep breaths while the mouth is open to listen for any sort of wheezing, uh, which could be narrowing of the airway or crackles, which could potentially be edema or any sort of fibrosis or any sort of rubbing sounds, which could potentially be any sort of inflammatory conditions such as pericarditis. And then you'll ask the patient to repeat the number 99, and it should be muffled over a normal lung. However, if it is clear um, or increased, it's possibly a consolidated lung. So moving on to the first disease that we'll be going over, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, shortened by COPD, which is chronic airflow limitation that is not fully reversible, and it can manifest as chronic bronchitis, emphysema, asthma can also progress to COPD, and uh, second only to heart disease as a cause for disability in adults under 65. COPD is also the third leading cause of death in the United States, and it affects over 24 million adults. Some risk factors for COPD include envi environmental irritants, smoking is a big risk factor, chronic respiratory infections, periodontal disease, the aging process in general, heredity and genetic predisposition. Um, some common presenting signs of COPD include dyspnea, sputnum production, or chronic cough. COPD can be diagnosed from physical examination and airflow limitation on pulmonary function testing. Spirometry can be used to measure how much air is entering the lungs and how much you can hold and how well the respiratory system is able to move air in and out of the lungs. Taking a medical history, clinical examination, x-ray studies, blood gas measurement, and blood pH are a few other examples as well. The prognosis for COPD is usually poor because these are chronic, progressive, and debilitating diseases. The death rate has increased to 22%, or increased rather 22% in the last decade, and COPD is largely preventable. Um, a subcategory of COPD can include chronic bronchitis, which is a uh, productive cough lasting for at least three months per year for two consecutive years. Some risk factors for chronic bronchitis include irritants such as cigarette smoke, long-term dust inhalation, or air pollution. The pathogenesis for chronic bronchitis is inflammation and scarring of the bronchial lining caused by mucus hypersecretion and hypertrophy of mucus-producing uh, membranes or glands, and the clinical manifestations are uh, a persistent cough and sputnum production resulting in shortness of breath, prolonged expiration, and recurrent injection, I mean infection. Um, medical management can be used to reduce irritants and using a combination of bronchodilators. Another subsection of COPD includes emphysema, which is the pathologic accumulation of air in tissues, particularly in the lungs. And there are three types of emphysema. There's centrolobular, which produces destruction in the bronchioles, usually in the upper lung regions. There's panlobular, which destroys the air spaces of the entire an uh, ancinus and most commonly involves the lower lung. 
And there's paraseptal, which destroys the alveoli in the lower lobes of the lungs, resulting in isolated blebs along the lung periphery. Cigarette smoking is the major etiologic factor in the development of emphysema, and it occurs as a result of prolonged respiratory difficulties. A deficiency in alpha-1 antitypsin anti-inflammatory protein develops uh, COPD earlier and the disease is accelerated as a result. The pathogenesis is a destruction of the elastin protein in the lung that normally maintains the strength of the alveolar walls, which leads to permanent enlargement. Some clinical manifestations of emphysema include exertional dyspnea, which progresses to dyspnea at rest. A a cough is uncommon with little sputnum production. The patient is often thin and has tachypnea, which is uh, with prolonged expiration and must use accessory muscles for ventilation. Moving on to asthma, which is a reversible obstructive lung disease characterized by inflammation and increased smooth muscle reaction of the airways to various stimuli. And it can be allergic or non-allergic, adult onset, exercise-induced, aspirin-sensitive, aspergillus-hypersensitive, and occupational asthma. The most common chronic disease in childhood is asthma, and Puerto Ricans have the highest incidence followed by non-Hispanic blacks and Native Americans. Some risk factors for asthma include the environment, including air pollution, pesticides, or exposure to pets. Antibiotic exposure during infancy appears to be a risk factor for developing asthma during childhood. Children with lower birth weight and prematurity is another risk factor for asthma. Um, Asthma is most often found in urban industrialized uh, settings in colder climates and among urban disadvantaged populations. Large families, early exposure to pets, early infections, and attending daycare may protect against allergic sensitization. Some etiologic factors of asthma. Asthma occurs in families indicating that it is an inherited disorder. It is influenced by genetic tendencies to develop allergies and to develop hyper-responsiveness of the airways independent of allergies. There's extrinsic asthma, which is allergic asthma, and it is the result of an allergy to specific triggers. And then there's intrinsic asthma, which is non-allergic, and that has no known allergic cause or trigger. The onset is greater than 40 years old and um, is often secondary to chronic or recurrent infections of the bronchi, sinuses, or tonsils, and adenoids. And occupational asthma is a narrowing of airways related to exposure in the working environment, such as airborne dusts, gases, acids, molds, dyes, vapors, or fumes. So the pathogenesis of asthma is that the airways are the site of an inflammatory response, which then produces bronchial smooth muscle spasms, vascular congestion, increased vascular permeability, edema formation, the production of a thick, tenacious mucus and impaired muscu, muscu, excuse me, muco, uh, ciliary, muco ciliary function, uh, muco ciliary function. Excuse me, 
some clinical manifestations of asthma include sensitization uh, or sensation rather of chest constriction, inspiratory and expiratory wheezing or non-productive coughing, prolonged expiration, tachycardia, and tachy tachy tach. Wow, I am struggling with these words. <laughs> Tachypnea during an asthma attack. Uh, clinical signs and symptoms differ in presentation depending on the patient. And prevention of asthma include teaching self-management and prevention, avoiding triggers and allergens. Asthma can be diagnosed through pulse oximetry, pulmonary function studies, bronchial challenge tests with methacholine, skin prick tests, serum IgE, and blood eosinophil counts, questionnaires, and chest films may be used for assessing the presence and severity of asthma. And the treatment includes identifying specific allergens for each individual and avoidance of asthma triggers, combined with the use of bronchodilators, which are beta agonists and anti-inflammatory agents, such as corticosteroids. And the prognosis is generally good for asthma. Moving on to our next disease, bronchiolitis refers to a group of morphologically distinct pathologic conditions that involved the, uh, the small airways. The pathogenesis of bronchiolitis is variable degrees of obstruction occur in the response to infection as the bronchiolar mucosa swells and the lumina fill with mucus and exudate. Depending on the type, changes occur as the walls of the bronchi and bronchioles are infiltrated with inflammatory cells and there is increased goblet cells and fibroblast formation. Some clinical manifestations include cough, respiratory distress, and cyanosis, dyspnea, paroxysmal cough, sputnum production, and wheezing with marked use of accessory muscles. Moving on to acute bronchitis, which is inflammation of the trachea and bronchi that is of short duration, anywhere between one to three weeks, and it may result from chemical irritation or with viral infections. Symptoms of acute bronchitis include the early symptoms of an upper respiratory infection or a common cold, which progresses to a fever, irritating cough, sore throat, possible laryngitis, or chest pain. Moving on to our next disease, which is atelectasis, which is the collapse of normally expanded and aerated lung tissue at any structural level involving all or part of the lung. And the pathogenesis of atelectasis is the primary cause um, being any sort of obstruction of the bronchus serving the affected area. And it occurs as air in the alveoli is slowly absorbed into the bloodstream with subsequent collapse of the alveoli. When there is interference with the natural forces that promote lung expansion, for example, hypoventilation associated with decreased motion, like what happens with paralysis, and it can also be caused by direct compression, for example, severe scoliosis or masses in the thorax. The treatment for atelectasis is directed towards removing the cause whenever possible, re-expansion of the lung usually possible, and the prognosis usually depends on the underlying disease. Chronic atelectasis may require surgical removal of the affected segment of the lobe or lung. Moving on to 
a pulmonary embolism. A pulmonary embolism is the lodging of a blood clot in a pulmonary artery with a subsequent obstruction of blood supply to the lung parenchyma. A blood clot is the most common cause of occlusion, but other causes may include air, fat, bone marrow, foreign intravenous material, vegetation on heart valves, amniotic fluid, and tumor cells. The most common cause of sudden death in the hospitalized population is a pulmonary embolism. Risk factors for pulmonary embolism include deep vein thrombosis originating in the proximal deep venous system in the lower extremity, blood statins, endothelial injury secondary to surgery, hypercoagulable states, immobility, abdominal or pelvic surgery, hip or knee replacements, late pregnancy, cesarean sections, lower limb fractures, malignancy of pelvis or abdomen, and previous pulmonary embolism. The diagnosis of a pulmonary embolism can be difficult due to the signs and symptoms being nonspecific. A pulmonary embolism may mimic or coexist with pneumonia, congestive heart failure, pericarditis, myocardial infarction, pneumothorax, anxiety, and rib fractures. So a clinical screen and testing using a Wells criteria and non-imaging laboratory results are often used to help diagnose pulmonary embolisms. Prevention and treatment of pulmonary embolisms include uh, primary prevention of deep vein thrombosis through the use of anticoagulants. Anyone hospitalized should be evaluated for their risks of pulmonary embolism and placed on uh, prophylaxis as needed. Low molecular weight heparin is the most common anticoagulant used for prophylaxis. Warfarin is a oral anticoagulant that can be used in combination with low molecular weight heparin. Implantation of filter in IVC is controversial um, as a prevention and treatment for pulmonary embolisms. And the prognosis is generally favorable for survivors, depending on the underlying disease. Moving on to pneumonias, which are inflammation affecting the parenchyma of the lungs and can be caused by a bacterial, viral, fungal, or mycoplasmal infection. Inhalation of toxic or caustic chemicals, stroke, dusts, or gases, or aspiration of food, fluids, or vomitus. 4 million cases of pneumonia are diagnosed each year. The cause of death for 52,000 Americans annually, and the risk factors include cigarette smoking, acute respiratory infections, chronic bronchitis, poorly controlled DM, uremia, dehydration, malnutrition, chronic renal failure, and chronic lung diseases or AIDS. The Pathogenesis of pneumonias uh, is the multiplying of organisms which release damaging toxins, stimulating full-scale inflammatory and immune responses with damaging side effects. INL1 and TNF contribute to systemic effects of pneumonia, such as fever, chills, malaise, and myalgias. IL1 and TNF are pro-inflammatory agents. There's a form of aspiration pneumonia, which uh, risk factor occurs, risk occurs rather when 
anatomic defense mechanisms are impaired. Usually the right upper lobe is affected in a supine patient. There's also fungal pneumonia, which most commonly is caused by histoplasmosis and coccidiomycosis and blastomyosis, and it primarily affects people with compromised immune systems. So the pathophysiology of pneumonias, pneumonias are uh, lobar, uh, intraalveolar exudate leading to the consolidation of lobes. There are different stages of pneumonias, which include the first stage, which is congestion intraalveoli fluid. There's the second stage, which is red hepatization, where uh, include fibrin and neutrophil within the alveoli. There's the third stage, which is the gray hepatization, um, fibrin and neutrophils within the alveoli, where there is a lack of red blood cells. And the fourth stage, which is resolution, which uh, has the reabsorption of exudate. The pathophysiology of bronchopneumonia, um, neutrophil exudate extends from the bronchi and bronchioles into adjacent alveoli, and it is bilateral and multilobar. Some clinical manifestations of pneumonias include sudden and sharp pleuratic chest pain, aggravated by chest movement and accompanied by a hacking productive with rust-colored or green purulent sputnum, um, dyspnea, tachypnea, cyanosis, headache, fatigue, fever, and chills or general, generalized aches and myalgias. Um, it's diagnosed by microscopic examination of respiratory secretions required for differential diagnosis. Gram stains, color, odor, and cultures are part of the sputnum analysis. Um, Physical examination, percussion, and auscultation of the chest may reveal signs of lung consolidation, such as dullness, inspiratory crackles, or bronchial breath sounds. The treatment for pneumonias include antibiotic therapy for bacterial and mycoplasmic forms of pneumonia, along with rest and fluids. Fungal pneumonia is treated with antifungal drugs. Viral pneumonia is treated symptomatically. A vaccine is recommended for everyone 65 years and older and those at a higher risk of of acquiring pneumonia. The prognosis is uh, prevention and treatment methods can improve the survival and reduce likelihood of developing pneumonia. Serious clinical problem for those with weakened immune systems and elderly. Another type of pneumonia is pneumocytis carinii pneumonia, or PCP. It is a fungal pneumonia that affects people with altered immunity. The origin of the organism is unknown. The risk factors include anyone who is immunosuppressed or immunocompromised. PCP shows to be the first indicator of conversion from HIV to AIDS. Um... PCP, uh, the pathogenesis of PCP is pneumocytis trophozyo attaches to the alveolar lining and it feeds on the host cell, forms a cyst to reproduce. The affected alveoli fill with organisms and proteinaceous fluid until Gas exchange is disrupted, causing hypoxia or death. 
the clinical manifestations include uh, symptoms developing slowly and present as a fever, progressive dyspnea and non-productive cough, fatigue, tachypnea, weight loss, and other manifestations of underlying immunosuppressive disease. Moving on to our next disease, uh, the pneumothorax. Pneumothorax is an accumulation of air or gas in the pleural cavity, which is caused by a defect in the visceral pleura of a uh, visceral pleura or chest wall, resulting in a collapsed lung. There's primary primary spontaneous pneumothorax or PSP, which develops with no underlying lung pathology. There is secondary spontaneous pneumothorax or SSP. And it is usually a result of blebs or bullae that occur in COPD, CF, or other lung disorders. Incidents and risk factors can affect up to 20,000 people per year in the United States. And it is common in tall, slender boys and men ages 20 to 40 years old. The pathogenesis of pneumothorax is when air enters the pleural cavity, causing the lung to collapse and a separation between the visceral and parietal pleurae occurs, destroying the negative pressure of the pleural space. And there are different types of pneumothorax. There's hemopneumothorax, or shortened as hemothorax, which is after a chest trauma, both air and blood can escape into the pleural space. There's Spontaneous pneumothorax, which occurs when there is an opening on the surface of the lung, allowing a leakage of air from the airways or lung parenchyma into the pleural cavity. And there is traumatic pneumothorax, which is when there is an entry of air directly into the chest wall or by a laceration of the lung caused by penetrating or non-penetrating chest trauma. There's also open pneumothorax, which occurs when air pressure in the pleural space equals barometric pressure because air that is drawn into the pleural space during inspiration is forced back out during expiration. There's iatrogenic pneumothorax, which develops as a result of direct puncture of the visceral pleura during attempts at central line placement, percussious lung aspiration, thoracocentesis or closed pleural biopsy and there's also tension pneumothorax the site of pleural rupture acts as a one-way valve permitting air to enter on inspiration but it prevents its escape by closing up during expiration some clinical manifestations of pneumothorax include dyspnea sudden sharp pleural chest pain fallen blood pressure weak and rapid pulse and cessation of normal respiratory movements on the affected side. Pneumothorax may push the mediastinum toward the affected, unaffected lung and causes the chest to appear asymmetric and the trachea to move to the contralateral side. Pain may be referred to on the ipsilateral shoulder across the chest or above the abdomen. And pneumothorax is diagnosed via chest film at inspiration and CT is now replacing the standard x-ray because it is more sensitive to the diagnosis and the treatment for pneumothorax is rest and administration of oxygen a chest tube for traumatic pneumothorax 
The prognosis is a low mortality with idiopathic pneumothorax and a 15% mortality rate for pneumothorax associated with lung disease. Tension pneumothorax is life-threatening, and it is required to have immediate treatment if um, suspected. Moving on to our next disease-slash-disorder, pleurisy. Pleurisy is an inflammation of the pleura caused by a viral or bacterial infection, injury, or tumor. Some clinical manifestations include um, a sharp, sticking chest pain that is worse on inspiration, coughing, sneezing, or movement associated with deep inspiration, fever, chills, and rapid shallow breathing. The pathogenesis is um, the some causes. Uh, it causes the pleurae to become reddened and covered with an exudate of lymph, fibrin, and cellular elements and may lead to pleural effusion. Pleurisy is considered uh, dry pleurisy if fluid in between the layers of the pleura remains unchanged. It can become painful if the pleurae become uh, congested and swollen and rub against each other. Considered to be um, wet pleurisy if fluid increases abnormality, which may interfere with breathing by compressing the lung, and it can be medically managed by NSAIDs and treatment of the underlying condition or antibiotics for specific infections that would cause pleurisy. And moving on to the next disease slash disorder uh, being pleural effusion. Pleural effusion. Why did I say it like that? Pleural Pleural effusion is the collection of fluid in the pleural space. Incidence and etiologic factors include uh, common, there, it, pleural effusion is common with heart failure and lymphatic obstruction caused by ne- neoplasm. A person of any age can be affected, but it is more common in older adults. The pathogenesis is a migration of fluids and other blood components through the walls of intact capillaries bordering the pleura. And next up on our list of diseases slash disorders is pleural empyema. Pleural empyema is infected pleural effusion. It is an accumulation of pus that occurs as a complication of pleurisy or some other respiratory disease. Symptoms include dyspnea, coughing, ipsilateral pleural chest or shoulder pain, malaise, tachycardia, and fever, chest films, transthoracic aspiration, biopsy uh, may be done to confirm the diagnosis, treatment with intercostal chest tube drainage, rest, sedative cough mixtures, and antibiotics can be used. Next on our list of diseases slash disorders, we have pleural fibrosis. Pleural Pleural Fibrosis. I just got my bottom row braces, so forgive my poor pronunciation. Pleural fibrosis may follow inflammation, hemorrhagic effusion, and infection of the pleurae. Uh, it appears to be a complex interaction of inflammatory cells, coagulation, profibrotic mediators, and growth factors. Use of corticosteroids may decrease incidence but is non-effective in reducing established fibrosis. 
Next disease we have up is tumors of the lung. The pathogenesis of lung tumors uh, is that it affects of non of smoking include structural, functional, malignant, and toxic changes in oncogenesis, oncogenes, and tumor suppressor genes. Uh, all lung cancers thought to arise from a common bronchial precursor cell. Uh, there um, is a subsection as, uh, such as small lung cancer, which develops most often in bronchial submucosa, most often near the hilum of the lung. It metastasizes more quickly because of its location and growth rate. These tumors can produce hormones that stimulate their own growth and the rapid growth of neighboring cells cause, causes uh, bronchial obstruction and pneumonia. And then there is non-small cell lung cancer, which arises near the hilum and projecting into the major or segmental bronchi. Prevention for tumors of the lung, it is key to eliminate or reduce the need for treatment of lung cancer. And it is diagnosed uh, on routine chest film in patients presenting for unrelated medical conditions without pulmonary symptoms. Low-dose spiral CT can detect tumors too small to be seen on x-rays. Lung imaging fluorescence endoscope um, can light up cancer cells using IV-administered radioactive tracer that attaches to these cells. Sputnum cytology testing for those participating in lung cancer detection program can also be used. And next on our list of diseases is cystic fibrosis. Cystic fibrosis is an inherited disorder of ion transport, sodium and chloride, in the exocrine glands affecting the hepatic, digestive, male reproductive, and respiratory systems. The genetic defect predisposes individuals to chronic bacterial airway infections, leading to the development of obstructive lung disease and eventually loss of pulmonary function. The most common inherited genetic disease in the white population is cystic fibrosis, affecting uh, 30,000 children and young adults in the United States. Uh, the autosomal recessive trait mutation on chromosome 7 is linked to cystic fibrosis. The pathogenesis of cystic fibrosis is the impermeability of epithelial cells to chloride ions, which results in dehydrated and increased viscosity of mucous gland secretions in lungs, the pancreas, and sweat glands, the elevation of electrolytes, and pancreatic insufficiency. Uh, cystic fibrosis is diagnosed traditionally by a sweat test. Sodium chloride concentration is greater than 60 in um, less than 20, if you're less than 20 years old, and it is greater than 80 if you are greater than 20 years old. Uh, other diagnoses can include pulmonary function tests, glucose tolerance tests, pancreatic elastase can be used as a marker of pancreatic insufficiency. Cystic fibrosis is treated uh, depending on the stage of the disease and which organs are involved, but the use of antibiotics can be used, aggressive pulmonary therapy with drugs uh, such as 
mucolytics to thin mucus secretions. Airway clearance techniques and supplemental oxygen is also used. The prognosis is um, not very good. The median age of survival is 38.3 years. Death occurrence uh, occurs from pulmonary complications. Uh, and cystic, the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation predicts that babies born in the year 2016, however, are expected to live to 47 years. So there's an increase in hope and positivity towards um, treatments for longevity here. So some pharmacology of the pulmonary system, the uh, treatment of the of bronchial asthma can uh, include glucocorticoids, leukotriene inhibitors, beta-2 agonists for managing acute episodes of asthma, and some more intervention of the pulmonary system, uh, surgical intervention for lung volume reduction or transplant. For physical therapy, the main key here is to promote ambulation, deep breathing even if it is painful, um, use of incentive spirometer, pulmonary toileting, hygiene, such as secretion control and strength of the pelvic diaphragm as well. And that concludes part two for exam two of pulmonary diseases. Thank you so much for listening to the DPT school study guide. And I wish everybody good luck. May we all get hundreds and I will see you in episode three for exam two on the genitourinary system.